Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Talking Knicks, talking the R.J. Barrett deal. Who better to talk about all those things with in detail a little further than our next guest? You hear him all the time on SiriusXM NBA Radio. It's our good buddy, Brian Geltseiler. BG, long time no chat. How are things, buddy? I'm good, Danny. How you doing, buddy? Oh, no complaints whatsoever. Thanks for hopping on as always. And hey, My RJ pleasure. Barrett sticking around the city for a few more years. Good move all around for the Knicks, no? I think it's a great move for the Knicks. Now, let's say this. You know, he's likely to stick around. He still could potentially be dealt in a deal, although with this extension, it just got a heck of a lot more complicated to be able to do that, Dan. But ultimately, this is a player that I think you want to keep. He's 22 years old. He is a very good defensive player. He's an excellent rebounder for a long wing. He does a heck of a job on the defensive glass. And he's shown you flashes of efficiency. He had a very good end of the, of the 2021 season. He played very well towards the end of that season. And I believe in the last three months of the year, shot about 42% from three. Now, he regressed a little last year there. And there was certainly a lot more offensive responsibility placed on him. But these are the types of guys you win with in today's NBA. And this guy's got a lot of ability. He's a hard worker. He's as athletic as anyone in the league. It's, for, the, for the Knicks, if they're going to trade R.J. Barrett, you better be really well compensated for him. And truth of the matter is signing him to a contract extension, especially at a less-than-max extension for what he's done. There's guys that get a lot more money when it comes to their second contracts that have done a lot less than R.J. Barrett. So it's a very, very nice job by Leon Rose and the rest of the front office to get Barrett under contract here. Now, again, it doesn't kick in this year. It kicks in in the following year for the next four years. So five years, R.J. Barrett's under contract now. No doubt about it. And you're only talking about a guy when that's, when that's up. You're only he's 27, 28, not a gray beard by any stretch of the imagination. So you live with that, of course. You know, talking to a lot of people that were involved with the Duke program when he was in school and he was coming out for the draft, and they all thought that he's, his game was going to translate very well on the next level in the NBA. That, that, I mean, you know, the sky was the limit for him. Have you seen anything from him over the last three years? And I mean, I guess most notably the last season that maybe altered what your outlook was going to be for him at this level. Do you think he has another gear that he can reach and will reach? I do. I, when I, first of all, a couple things here, um, the, the summer before his freshman year, I had the privilege to spend some time with coach K down at, at Duke and had a discussion with him about his freshman class that he had coming in, which was R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish and Zion Williamson. And Zion Williamson was almost an afterthought in my conversations with Coach K. The one he couldn't stop gushing about was R.J. Barrett. That Duke team did a trip to Canada preseason to play in some exhibitions because that's where R.J. Barrett's from. They R.J. Barrett was the crown jewel of that program for the year that he was there. I have, I've believed more in R.J. Barrett than most people you'll talk to around the league. I think from day one, he's had all-star ability. I think he has all-star talent. I think he has all-star work ethic, and I do think he gets there. Now, again, his game lacks some efficiency. I would like to see him 
use his right hand in a more effective, more efficient, and much stronger and, and, and more frequent way, which he doesn't do as much now. There, he definitely has to be a more consistent perimeter shooter. Um, I'd like to see a little bit of a mid-range game out of him. He's got a ways to go. He's far from a finished product. But mm-hmm. the dude's 22. Like, it can get there. And not that I'm comparing him to Jason Tatum, but look at a guy like Jason Tatum, who really, we all talked about his ability, his ability, his ability. The two parts of his game that were the weakest we saw come together this year in the playoffs in his playmaking and passing and his defense. So, like, guys still, you know, RJ's at an age where there is a steep learning curve in terms of his ability to get better. And with as hard as he works, and I keep going to that because he's a hardworking kid, and I, I think RJ is going to be an all-star in this league, a, a, a multi-time all-star in this league. I, I believe in his ability and his work ethic I, I tremendously what do you think his game is or what do you think having let's say a legit point guard now and Jalen Brunson is going to do to elevate his game for the next few years it'll help I, listen I, I the thing about Brunson that you have to remember we call him a point guard Dan right he was incredibly effective last year he was only one of two players in the NBA last year that shot over 50% from the field, over 37% from three, and over 84% from the free throw line. Two guys in the league, Kevin Durant and Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson, we call him a point guard. He played off ball where Luka had the ball in his hands all the time. So what is that going to do for R.J. Barrett? Listen, Barrett will have the ball in his hands a little bit more. He'll be initiating some offense with Brunson off on a wing because Brunson, for a guy that we consider, and I'm using air quotes here, a point guard, is really a massive off-ball threat. So I think for R.J., the ball is going to be his hands a little bit more. We'll see a role that he had over the course of the second half of last season, and, and I think that'll be a, that's a more comfortable role for him than playing off the ball. You don't want a guy with R.J. Barrett's ability and his athletic athleticism to get lost off the ball with Brunson he will not get lost off the ball now listen he can get lost off the ball a little bit with the ball in Julius Randle's hands if they bring in Donovan Mitchell still obviously RJ stays he may get lost off the ball a little bit there but Brunson will not be the reason he gets lost off the ball and that's I think the key with RJ is you do want to have a decent amount of time you want to run some offense through him that's how this kid's going to get better that's how he's going to realize his vast potential you think the three-point shooting will resort itself back to normal next year? Because, man, that did, that's the one area that took a little bit of a dip last year. Despite the fact he was scoring more and everything, the three-point shot went down a tad. You know as well as anybody, you know, you want to be one of these type wing scorer players in the NBA, you got to be able to shoot the three because that's such a big part of the game today. I, I think we'll see the three-point shooting for him trend up. Let me, let me put it this way, Dan. We better see it trend up, right? right. I mean, listen, he was terrific from three in the, in, in the, the first half of, of the second half of 2021. Yeah, from February on, I shot like 42% from three. Major regression from three last year. Now, you can also make the case that part of that regression had to do with the fact that Julius Randle had the ball in his hands a lot did not play very well last year. And RJ didn't necessarily have the open jumpers and, the, and the, the, the space that he had the prior year where he was able to shoot as well as he did. Listen, shooters still need open shots to knock them down. RJ, granted, listen, he still didn't hit shots he should have hit. There's no doubt. But he also didn't have the volume of open shots that he did the year before. So you would hope that having a guy that could score like Brunson will help him. You hope, listen, Randall's lost some weight. Randall appears to be much happier to be in New York. There's still a, I still believe in my heart of hearts, there's a significant possibility Donovan Mitchell ends up on this team sometime next season. If that happens, Mitchell's ability off the bounce will create more space for RJ. I think all of these factors together, you're going to see, you're definitely going to see a tick up in, in Barrett's three point shooting. 
Brian Geltziler, NBA Radio, joining us here on the Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. You look at it from Utah's standpoint. You brought up the Donovan Mitchell situation. Danny Ainge is a guy, look, he knows what he wants, and he's going to remain steadfast until he gets what he wants in return. How long do you think that'll be? Because it's obvious he's not dealing with a rent-a-player. Donovan's under contract for a few more seasons. How long do you think this face-off will go between Utah and, let's just say, the Knicks? I think it may go a while. I, Danny Ainge doesn't like to lose deals, and the cards are stacked against him in this situation. So it, he really doesn't have any other team to make a meaningful bid on besides the Knicks. Would Donovan Mitchell be happy to go to Miami? Sure he would. But Miami can't put the kind of oh, – let me rephrase that. Miami is unwilling to put the kind of yes. package forward that the Knicks are willing to put forward. The Miami's not going to trade Bam out of Bayou for Donovan Mitchell. They're not going to do that. So for Miami, when you look at Tyler Hero and Miami's picks patches, Miami's picks are not going to be as valuable as the Knicks picks. Plus, the Knicks have a lot more picks to put in a deal. Danny Ainge wants unprotected picks. That's his big thing. And right now for the Knicks, they are very smart to want to hold on to some player and draft assets because the Donovan Mitchell move is not going to be one that catapults them into top five in the East. You can go trade for Donovan Mitchell and then whatever iteration of a deal you want to put together, whether it's Barrett or Grimes or, you know, or Randall or Fournier in there, however you want to throw that together. Getting Donovan Mitchell is not going to make you better than Boston. It's not going to make you better than Miami. It's not going to make you better than Milwaukee. It's not going to make you better than Philadelphia. It's certainly not going to make you better than Brooklyn. So you're now in that second five of the Eastern Conference where you're with Cleveland, you're with Toronto, you're with Chicago, you're with Atlanta. That's where you are. So if you want to be a championship team, you have to have other assets to be able to go get other available players. You can't have it all go out for Donovan Mitchell. Otherwise, it's, you know, the Knicks will be fine. They'll be out in the first round every year. That's kind of where they'll be because the East has been ratcheted up. The bar has been raised. So from that standpoint, I think the Knicks are playing this right. Danny doesn't have a lot of bidders here. And I know that they want to pull in teams like Washington and Charlotte. But those teams are hesitant to give up major asset packages. Why? It's the hardened blueprint, Danny. Okay? They don't want to be a stopover. They don't want to turn around and be in the situation right. Utah is now in a year where they have Donovan Mitchell asking out with years left on his contract because he's not happy there anymore. And now they have to flip him for less than what they gave up for him. That's the situation they don't want to be in. So that's kind of where you are right now. The Knicks are the only game in town. It's where Ainge can get his best deal. But Leon Rose is not acting desperate here. He is willing to go into the season with Barrett on his team, with Grimes on his team, with Randall on his team, with Fournier on his team. And if they don't start the season with Mitchell, they don't start the season with Mitchell. It's not Mitchell is going to make them better. He's going to be an attraction at the Garden. The Garden draws anyway, and you're not necessarily going to elevate the team that much more with Mitchell on it immediately by making this deal. And Knicks can turn around and, and start the season without him. Now I know what Danny Ainge is thinking. He figures Knicks start out two and five or four and seven, and the pressure gets ratcheted up, and all of a sudden Leon Ross is going to get desperate. Could that happen? It's possible, but I don't necessarily think that it's likely that Rose is going to feel that kind of desperation if they're off to a slow start. All right, let's speculate for a second. Let's say if and when they talk turkey and they come to an agreement and Mitchell finds his way over here. Do you think it's a straight-up trade between the Knicks and Utah, or do you think it's likely going to have to involve a third team so Danny Ainge can get what he wants, maybe outside of what New York is willing to give? Well, it depends, and, and I say that in this way. Number one, it depends upon if Barrett's involved in the deal. Because if Barrett's involved in the deal, they're probably going to have to have a third team involved with the understanding that if that, the Knicks send Barrett out because of this extension now, 
the Knicks send Barrett out at a $10 million salary, which is his current salary. The team receiving him has to have a $23 million slot, which is his first-year salary So on, on the extension. So that makes him harder to deal. So right then and there, I think that I think that it becomes a little bit tough to happen there. When it comes to a third team, listen, it's I, I think it's possible that a third team gets involved. Listen, the Lakers are sitting with two first round picks that they can deal. They've you know I think they've told LeBron James they're going to willing to use those picks to upgrade this roster. Those picks may have to be used to get rid of Westbrook, but they're going to need to bring players back to do that. Now, the Knicks could use to offload a couple of salary players. I, listen, I like Julius Randle. He had a fantastic year two years ago. He didn't have a great year last year. This four-year contract extension isn't wonderful right now. Now, again, in two years, it won't look as bad, but the Knicks getting off Randle right now would help them look be able to upgrade this team sooner. And I think that's something that they sh- – I don't know that they're looking at it. I think they should look at it in terms of – of working with the Lakers and the Jazz on a three-way where they could get off Randall or get off two years of Fournier here. Listen, Fournier shot 39% from three last year. He's useful to somebody. I don't know how useful he is to the Knicks because of the way his defense is, and he just doesn't fit with a Tom Thibodeau team. So I look at those two guys and feel like if the Knicks truly want to do this young thing, they certainly could get off those guys, send those guys to the Lakers, you know, let Westbrook end up on the Jazz to get bought out. And Knicks and some of those other Lakers picks can be sprinkled in as unprotected for Danny Ainge to help them get off Westbrook and take on these other contracts. There is a three-way trade somewhere there between those three teams. Does everybody want to play nice in the sandbox and cooperate with that? Do the Lakers feel like giving up two first-round picks only to receive contracts on Randall and Fournier that are, let's face it, marginal deals? I'm not so sure. So there's a lot at play here. I would think in the end, if the deal's going to work, it's probably going to be a two-team deal, and Barrett probably stays with the Knicks in that scenario. Brian Geltz on NBA Radio joining us here talking a little hoops. Let's switch over to the Nets real quick. So the Nets are going to run it back with the current group. Um, are you buying it? How long are things going to remain peach, uh, peaceful over there in Brooklyn between the players, the coaching staff, the front office, or are we going to be dealing with the soap opera again sooner rather than later? It's a very complicated situation, Dan. And it's a complicated situation because Nets ownership and management allowed it to get that way. You know, a few things are at play here with Durant. I don't think the public and even the media to that extent that I'm a part of and you're a part of understand the nature of Durant's trade demand. I don't really think Kevin Durant cares enough to want to get it explained. But a lot of it had to do with the Nets firing of, you know, to my knowledge, a lot of it had to do with the Nets firing of a workout coach, Adam Harrington, that Durant really, really depends on and, and like to work with. And, you know, I believe well, why did they get rid of him? know about that in advance. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why they got rid of him. I don't know that Kevin knows. I don't know that Steve Nash knows. Um, I, I don't know. But 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 for whatever reason they did, and I don't know, and, and I don't think the reasoning that they gave was somewhat abstract reasoning, and we'll leave it at that, okay? It was not necessarily anything concrete. And so I think that from that standpoint, the Nets kind of put something in motion that they didn't realize what the consequences of that will be. Now, they've gotten Kevin to agree to, hey, say, I'm going to pull my trade demand off the table, mostly because the places that Durant was looking to go, you know, were not necessarily going to step up the type of offer that the Nets wanted. And, and, and so the market for Durant was not what the Nets thought it would be. It was not what Durant thought it would be. And again, because team, the Gobert thing through everything 
off the charts mm-hmm. because the Nets looked and said, this is what, this is what Rudy Gobert went for. This is what we can get for Kevin Durant. Problem is, is that short of Boston and Golden State, and Golden State couldn't make a deal with the Nets because Wiggins had to be in the deal, and the Nets could not have two of those designated max second salaries with Wiggins and Ben Simmons. You can't have two that you trade for. You can have two on your team, one that you sign, one that you trade for, but you cannot have two that you trade for. So Wiggins would have had to go in that deal. Listen, I think Golden State would have frankly done the deal because they actually save money in a Durant deal. When you look at the fact they have to extend Wiggins, extend Poole, and Wiseman's not far behind, they could have traded those three for Kevin Durant and gotten the band back together. So the fact that that rule existed kept them from doing that. But I do think for Durant at this point, he realized, you know what, I want to play basketball. We do have a chance to win here. I don't know that Durant and Kyrie are the same that they've been here. I think Kyrie making Google eyes over to LeBron in L.A. to try to use that as leverage was a little bit objectionable to Durant also, and I don't blame him. He had Kyrie's back to a point to his own detriment. You know, he really did. And right. and the fact is for Kyrie to do that while Durant is there. I mean, Durant's in Brooklyn because Kyrie told him that's where he wanted to go with him. So, I mean, I, I understand that from that standpoint. And listen, I don't know that Durant's thrilled to play with Ben Simmons either. I'm not sure that's somebody that he necessarily wants to play. I mean, I mean, you look at it from Durant's standpoint. You're partnered up. The two other stars on your team are two guys that, if we're going to be frank about it, they both made conscious decisions to not play in more games than they played in last year. Ben Simmons didn't play in a game. And, and Kyrie played in 29 games and, and refused to be vaccinated. So if you're Kevin Durant, you look at that whole situation. Now I'm supposed to come back in in a year where I'm going to turn 34 years old and go all in with these guys. I, I kind of understand. I know that Net fans were appalled by this man. I kind of understood why he wanted out. I also understand why he decided to stay. I know this. Royce O'Neal and TJ Warren were two guys he really wanted to play with. And that, and that he felt like those were guys that helped him and add to his game take some defensive responsibility off his shoulders in O'Neal, take a little offensive responsibility off his shoulders in Warren. So I think he looks at this roster and says, hey, you know what, if everybody shows up and does what they're supposed to do, um, we can really have some success. But that's the big question. Irving's got to be there. Simmons has got to be there. These guys have to want to give everything they have and play basketball. I also think Sean Marks is on the clock a little bit. I think, the, you know, the, the whole wanting to fire Nash and Marks, I think, was a gross exaggeration. To my knowledge, Durant and Nash are in a great place together, and they always have been. I do know that Durant probably wouldn't mind if someone else was in there instead of Sean Marks. And I think that is this doesn't work. That may be the next move. That's the guy to me who, frankly, I, everybody on the Nets right now, Sean Marks is the one that probably shouldn't be buying green bananas. <laughs> BJ, you can never have enough of those green bananas. You know that. You always got to keep a healthy <laughs> stock in the uh, room there. Uh Training camp only a month away, and I'm sure we're going to be keeping tabs, especially on what's going on in Brooklyn, more so than at uh, Madison Square Garden as far as the drama is concerned. But, hey, that's what makes this all fun. Great catching up, my friend. We'll do it again real soon. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the summer, what's left of it, before the busy season starts, you know? You got it, Danny. I certainly will do my best to do that. And thank you, sir. You do the same, and we'll talk again soon. I look forward to it. All right, pal, you be good. There's Brian Geltzeiler, NBA Radio. Good points. You know, agree with a lot of what he's saying there. Um, Can't close the door on this deal with Utah. This still likely, I still think it's going to happen. I just don't know if RJ is going to be a part of it, to be quite honest with you. I have a feeling that this, you know, they signed him fully with the intention of keeping him around. I really and truly believe that. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. We'll take some calls on the basketball still. We'll also... Talk about the Yankees and this latest slump that they find themselves in out on the West Coast. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Quick update from Queens, 3-2 Dodgers in the bottom of the fourth. L.A. put three across the board in that third inning, all starting with, you guessed it, a Joey Gallo hit by pitch with the bases loaded to force in the tying run. And then Gavin Lux with a two-run single, making it 3-1 L.A. Mets did come back in the bottom half of the inning, cut the deficit in half. Starling Marte, a blast over the left field wall off of Andrew Heaney. So that's where we're at, 3-2 Mets batting in the fourth inning. So we'll keep you up to date on that one. Uh, let's finish out these NBA calls before we uh, switch over to do some Yankees. Edwin in the Bronx, up next, 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Edwin? How are you? Hey, what's going on, brother? How are you, sir? Good, Edwin. What's going on? Well, I was just listening to what, you know, your conversation. I agree with everything you said. I just feel like we should make the trade without R.J. Barrett. I really believe that, you know, he's going to, if you can see the improvement, you know, everybody sees it the last three years, you know, he's been going up in points. He's almost, he's at 20 points a game. I'm expecting him to give us at least 22, 23 this year. You know, I would not give him up. He's the best draft pick we've had in years. I can't remember somebody that we actually drafted that has seen this improvement. I, I, I don't know. What do, what do you think about that? Well, that's the reason, I mean, not the reason, but certainly that's one of the reasons I think why they wanted to make sure that they keep him around. And as you heard Brian say, and remember, he's still got one more year on that original rookie contract. So this extension that they just signed him to, in, in essence, it's a five-year deal. So you're talking about a guy who's, what, 22 years of age right now, three, four, five, six. You're, when the five years are up, you're talking about somebody who is only still 27 years old. To me, that's a guy just entering the prime of his career. You make the investment in a player like that who's still so young, whose game is still growing, and he really has not given you any reason to doubt that he isn't worth the investment. He checks all the boxes. Definitely. I definitely agree. And I think, you know, he'll be a homegrown product. He reminds me so much of Jimmy Butler. And, you know, 
he's not going to be uh, you know outrageous behind three. They don't give you. A well, he don't play defense like Jimmy Butler either, Edwin. Let's face it, right? He don't play defense. You can learn like that. that. You know, the hustle, the hustle. You can learn. You know, the, I mean, the hustle's there. The motivation is there. You know, he can he can be a good defender. He's not going to be a great defender. I'm just talking about as far as the partial, the dedication. He's a young kid, and he's in the gym. He's in that gym. That, that's really important at 22 years old with a lot of money, and you're in the gym. I love it. I don't think we should get rid of him, man. I think Edwin, be good. I think he's sticking around. Like You have no reason to fear right now that he's leaving. I know that Brian brought up the case that, you know, he still could possibly be part of a deal down the road. And, yeah, it's possible. I just don't think it's probable. Right? They believe in this kid. They wanted this kid. And, and look, I don't know how much they're listening to the fan base. I don't know how much they're listening to this show. But, my God, over the last couple of months, anytime we brought up this possibility or brought up the discussion of Donovan Mitchell bringing him here, what is it going to take on the Knicks part, R.J. Barrett was like a no-go. R.J. Barrett was an untouchable. Like, adamantly untouchable. Buddha in the Bronx. He's up next. 98.7 ESPN. Buddha, what's new? Hey, welcome down. What's going on, baby? Buddha, talk to me. How you been, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Listen, you know, I don't know what the fascination is with Donovan Mitchell. I mean, I guess I do understand. And, I mean, and Alahan is like one of my favorites. I used to call him all the time at night. But, I mean, he's the leader of the pom-pom group for this guy. And, I, you know, first of all, RJ Barrett cannot be in any trade, but, but like, your last the guess you had on, mm-hmm. you know, he made a very poignant point. He said, if you get Donovan Mitchell, you're still not going to be better than the Bucks. You're still not going to be better than the Sixers. You're still not going to be better than the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. Toronto Raptors, Atlanta Hawks, it's all debatable. I mean, you want to talk about a guy like that. I know the Knicks fans are thirsty, and, I'm not, and I don't blame them. Because the Knicks fans are thirsty for a player as much as the Jets fans are thirsty to not realize that Zach Wilson is not the guy. But, you know... I, I'm sorry. Hey, listen, you can get all the draft picks in the world you want. You can get Evan Fournier. I'm not giving you Danny Ainge any player who I don't. I, you can get Cam Reddish if you want, but I'm not giving you any of them, the, the, the quickleys, the Toppins. I give you Grimes because I think that the Knicks overrate what Grimes is anyway. But I mean, come on. Listen, this guy is not the guy who's going to make you. He's a, listen, they had a better roster over there with Utah. You know, and, and he's one of those guys, uh, you know how it is, Dad. He's one of those guys that when things go bad or, thing, or we don't get to where we're supposed to go, you know, he's a finger pointer. He's not an excuse bad guy if that's what you're talking about. Let me, I'll ask it to see you this way. All right, so you don't think yes. – if, if you're trying to tell me that Donovan Mitchell is not a number one on a championship team, I agree with you. We're speaking the same language. Is he one of the top ten players in the NBA? Of course not. All right, we're in agreement there. But I'll ask you this question. Name me a player the Knicks have had – over the last, let's be conservative, 10 years, who's as prolific a scorer as this guy is? They haven't had that. Uh, I mean, you know, listen. That's all. That's all we're saying. That's all we're saying. Listen, Melo was a better scorer than he was. In his prime. In his prime. 
no, when he first came to the Knicks, Melo was still a better scorer than what he is. Right, yeah, when, when, when it's Melo's prime, yeah. He was six foot eight. Now, this guy is six foot two, or six foot one and a half, one and three quarters, whatever you want to call it. And I'm not even going to get into the defensive aspect of it because we know he's not a, a defensive player. But when you look, see, each conference has a different identity. Always had, always will. In the Western Conference, you know, the smaller guards, you know, the volume shooters, you know, those guys, they have a lot of success. In this Eastern Conference, you know, you, we can keep talking about how the, 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 the NBA has changed. In the Eastern Conference, the two guard is not only a 20-point a, a game scorer, he's also, in more than, most of the good teams, he's a good defender, but he's also at least six foot four. You know, when I look at Donovan Mitchell coming in, and I'll pose a question to you, Dan. Mm-hmm. If, if, if I ask you, mm-hmm. who's a better player, Donovan Mitchell or Trey Young? You got to think about that, don't you? Right now? Right oh, now. I, mean, I, 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 don't, that, don't I don't have to think about it. The answer is Trey Young. So, in turn, Trey Young is a player who has the right stature for the position that he plays. This guy is a two-guard. You can tell me all you want that he played um, point there, sometimes Utah. Sometimes ain't it. On this team here, if you're going to have him with Brunson, he's going to be the two-guard. And I've only seen one two-guard in the Eastern Conference, you know, play for my team, the team that I love, that was under six foot two, that was able to take that pound in, that was able to produce in a conference with defense, size, you know, toughness does matter. And his name was AI. And this dude is not AI. I'm no, sorry. he's he, he's, he's not, not he's, he's not, not AI. He's not AI. He's he's a little bit stockier than AI. But and Buddha, thanks for the phone call. Look, I, I I don't disagree with a lot of what you're saying. Like if you're going to try to make the point that bringing Donovan Mitchell over here is not going to catapult the Knicks to you know championship contender, I I, I agree. I, nobody's disputing that. Nobody's sitting here trying to make an argument that that will happen. The point is is that he is another building block, just like. All right, when they signed Jalen Brunson, remember during around draft time? I mean, my God, it was two months ago already. We were having discussions on the shows about when the Knicks were clearing all that cap space. And, you know, it seemed like everything was lining up that they were going to sign Jalen Brunson. And how many people, oh, you can't sign him. You can't spend all that money. That's not going to make you that much better. What are you doing? I said, pump the brakes, right? Nobody is saying that by, and the Knicks weren't even implying that getting Jalen Brunson is going to make them one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. He is a chip. He is a piece. He is a building block. That's all it is, just like R.J. Barrett is one. Now, look, bringing Donovan Mitchell onto this team doesn't make the Knicks worse. And it's not a secret to say that with or without Donovan Mitchell, their guard play on the perimeter, defensively, it leaves a lot to be desired as is already. You're talking Brunson. You're talking RJ. If you throw Mitchell into the mix too, all right, that is not going to be a strength of the team, at least in terms of the backcourt. But it still doesn't mean that they can't be good and it's not exciting and it doesn't at least push them in the right direction. We'll see what happens. I- I'm not opposed to this. You know, I really am not. 
bringing in top flight talent, bringing in guys that have gone out there and, and gotten it done. And, and I'll say one other thing about Donovan Mitchell. I'll say one other thing before we get to a break. People want to throw stones and say, well, what did he win in Utah? How come that team never went deep in the playoffs all those years when he was there? Okay, well, I'll throw this at you as a reminder. Yeah, he had another all-star win him out there, but what was that all-star? He was a center. And it wasn't Nikola Jokic. It wasn't Joel Embiid. It wasn't a center who was an offensive force. Rudy Gobert is like a throwback center. That dude is a rim protector. He's a defense first guy. He's not an offensive threat. So think about it. Utah had a big two centered around a shooting guard that could score and a center who is not offering much offensively. And I don't think that's fair to necessarily throw at the feet of Mitchell and say like, oh, he had another all-star win him out there but couldn't win. How many other guys could in that situation? 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll keep this conversation going. Remember, we'll also do some Yankees. Brian Hoke, MLB.com, is going to join us coming up at 9 o'clock. Dan Grasso Show, 9870 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Three all, Mets and Dodgers. Mark Hanna with a game-tying solo homer in the fourth. They're in the bottom of the fifth. Bears watching, though, because over at the U.S. Open, which is literally right across the street from City Field, they had to close the roof at Arthur Ashe Stadium because showers are in the forecast. I don't know if it has started raining, but they closed the roof. And you got to figure if the rain comes, it's going to find its way across the street over to City Field. So the game is tied right now. I don't know if it's going to be like an all-night affair, but... You know, you're in the fifth inning, even if you had to call it a night for Taiwan Walker, you didn't burn a starting pitcher. I think five innings is a good night's work regardless. Maybe the Mets could get lucky here, see if they could scratch across the go-ahead run uh, in this fifth inning or however long it takes before the rains come. Brian Hoke covers the Yankees for MLB.com. He'll join us coming up at 9 o'clock. Bombers, Angels, 9.30 from the West Coast. Let's uh, go back to the phone calls. Let us say hi. Two, David in Manhattan. He's up next. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. David, how are you? I'm doing well. How you doing, Dan? Dave, I'm doing outstanding because you took the time to call into the show tonight. What's on your mind? Listen, man, I think people are all wrong about this Donovan Mitchell, man. Um, I think he's going to change the culture. I think the culture is changing already with some of the signings that the Knicks have had. I love the Brunson deal. I think him, RJ, is a nice beautiful young core that's going to mesh together well and is going to win them some more games. I think that's going to propel them to probably a fifth, sixth seed in the East with the roster that they have in place now. I mean, we have all these picks. They they got all these picks. They might as well start using them. What do you think? A six or a five or a six seed in the East if they bring on Donovan Mitchell or as presently constituted right now? If they bring on Denver Mitchell. Right now, we're looking like we're battling for a plan. Look, I don't, I don't disagree. And I'll, look, I'll tell you right now. If you bring in Donovan Mitchell, I would set my sights a little bit higher than a five or a six. I mean, and when I say higher, is a four completely unrealistic? You know? I mean, I know that that's not that big of a leap from a five or a six. But, hey, if I got four guys on my team who you think can play at an all-star caliber level, meaning – R.J. Barrett, Donovan Mitchell, 
Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson. You know, throwing Mitchell Robinson as a five. That, I mean, those five guys right there, you know, put it on the cover of the yearbook, cover the media guide, whatever. That's got to get you excited as a Knicks fan. And you're darn right, if they stay healthy and if they are in the lineup and they produce to the level that you expect them to, that's a team that could be top four in the Eastern Conference, 100%. 100%. Now, got to get there first. But right now, there's still work to do. I mean, you heard Brian when he was on with us earlier. Given the laundry list of teams in the Eastern Conference, which right now are better than the Knicks, and he's right. I've, I've been saying that for how long, right? I mean, if you're, if you're the Knicks, and if things stay status quo, meaning like this Utah trade doesn't happen, the goal for the upcoming season, you may not want to hear this, the goal for the upcoming season is to make the playoffs. And in a perfect world, you know what? Maybe top six. So you can avoid the play-in tournament. At least if you're top six, you feel like you're accomplishing something. Play-in tournament, to me, is almost an ex- extended branch of what we like to refer to or you know, as NBA purgatory. That always used to just be like the eighth seed. Like, oh, why do you want to be the eighth seed for? You're going to lose in the first round. You're not in the lottery come draft time. You're not going to improve yourself that much in the offseason. And you know, you're kind of just like stuck in a rut right in the middle. But if you're top six, you're like, all right, we're maybe kind of on the right track here a little bit. Go get another piece or two, i.e. a Donovan Mitchell, and then you take this thing to another level. Freddie and Hackensack, up next, Dan Gross' show, 98.7. Freddie, how are you? Dan, good evening. Fred. Dan, um, I, I couldn't agree with you more about what you said before the break. I think that you're absolutely right. Donovan Mitchell is a building block. And I tell, and I asked all the New York fans this simple question. And I know he wasn't available a couple of years ago, but, Dan, we could have used him in that Atlanta series. Oh, my God. We had a Don- yes. you, you know what I mean? So if we would have had a Donovan Mitchell, and, and, and Julius Randle, yeah, we, 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 we went off on him because he, he didn't show up to the series. and all. That's okay. But if we had a Donovan Mitchell, we, we possibly could have won that series. This takes pressure off of Julius Randle if he doesn't show up on any game night. This takes pressure off R.J. Barrett. Nothing against Mike Connolly, but now we have a young point guard who is willing to run with these three potential uh, all-stars, including Mitchell Robinson. I think this is a great trade if it happens. And I, like I told, like I said before, I ask you, New York Knicks, we could have used him in that series, and we can use him going forward, and he's going to help, and we're going to win with him, I think. I really think so. Freddie, I'll say, Freddie, I'll say this. What's Donovan that? Mitchell Sorry. comes on to this team. He immediately, immediately becomes the number one scorer on your team. And, oh, and look, we, we can't go back in the past, and we can't revisit history. I, I don't know if they win the series, let's say. But right, I'll tell you, right, they would right. they would have certainly put up a heck of a lot more of a fight than they ended up going, you know, yeah, the way they went we, down in that series because they couldn't find anybody reliable to score the ball. Let me remind people, and, and you know, anytime you bring this up, people want to throw cold water on it for whatever reason. You know, Donovan Mitchell has been in the league five years. He's been in the playoffs all five years. You know what Donovan Mitchell is averaging in the playoffs? He's played 39 games in the postseason. When the lights are the brightest, the stage is the biggest. Guy's averaging 28 point three a game in the playoffs does that sound flukish to you hmm is that a fluke are we talking about like one or two games he got hot 
I mean, you want to throw, you want to dismiss the bubble stuff, and I know the bubble stuff was weird. Let's pray to God we never have to deal with that again. But in the bubble, he averaged 36 points a game in the playoffs. 36. And then the next year in the playoffs, which was not in the bubble, he averaged 32 a game in 10 games that postseason for the Jazz. 32 a game. Mind you, a couple of years ago when the Knicks were in there as the four seed and Julius Randle was like an all-NBA player, most improved player, having this career season, Julius Randle disappeared in the playoffs. Where the hell was he? Monty's in Newark. That's where he is. He's up next. Dan Grasso Show. Monty, how are you? Hey, I'm fine. I'm fine. Listen, I am just confused with people who say, don't get Donovan because he doesn't make you a championship team. As if any one player besides LeBron James makes you a championship team. The goal is to build a championship team by adding piece by piece by piece. You've added a point guard. You sign RJ, and if you get Donovan, those are three good pieces to build off of. And depending on who you give up, whether it's OB or Randu or whatever, you still have a bunch of young pieces to integrate, and hopefully one of them is in, and now we have a team that can compete. So all this, don't get them because he doesn't make your instant well – Durant and, and Kyrie went to Brooklyn. Did he make did they make them instantly a championship team? No. Hey, but hey you Monty, Monty, hey Monty. Guess what? Yes, sir. Michael Jordan. It took him seven years to make the Bulls a championship team. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, sir. Seven right. years. Yes. Like, like this, this whole thing is 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 just ludicrous to me. Like, only LeBron can go from team and make it an instant championship team. Everybody else you got built with. So is Donovan perfect? No. Is he a little small? Yes. But he has proven that he can score in his league. And it's all that the last goal that was talking about defense. Who plays defense in the, in the NBA? Nobody. No one plays defense. Nobody. What are we talking about right now? Nobody's like playing Like Harden doesn't play D. Kyrie doesn't play D. Like, come on, what are we talking about? Now I'm not, I'm, I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. I, I wish that that part of the game would come back, but it, it, it's, it's, it, it's a video game. The NBA has become a video game. It's outscoring the opponent, right? I mean, that's essentially what it is, and teams are looking for scores. Teams are looking for dudes who can light it up from deep. That's what yes. the game has become, and if the Knicks are going to have as many as four of those guys leading the charge, you know what? Hey. Then you go out there and you get some dudes to round out your rotation on the bench who yes. can play defense, who are going to get physical. You know that Tibbs likes those guys. They're easier to find than guys who can give you a 28 a night in the postseason. Yes, sir. At my point, exactly. When we lost to Atlanta, why did we lose? Because the uh, the guy with the, with the funny hair, I can't remember his name now, who was guarding Trey Young, he was a non-factor on the offensive Reggie end. Bullock. Trey didn't have to spend – yeah, Bullock. He didn't have to spend any energy because Bullock just sat in a corner and missed three to be took any. You have to have scored. I, I, look, I'm 48. I grew up with the Knicks when, you know, it was 75-75. But that's not the NBA anymore. Right now you got to score and, and score a lot. And play, and like you said, get some role players, fill, fill out your roster, and let's go Knicks, man. I need to see a championship here. Uh, Monty, good phone call. Bottom line, good phone call. This ain't going to happen overnight, but you're telling me bringing a guy like Donovan Mitchell onto this team does not make them better, and it looks like you could do it without giving up RJ 
It's the best of both worlds for everybody that calls themselves a Knicks fan. But it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't. But it makes you better. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>